Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Ryan Poles is out there grinding, you know, really putting in the work. He's uh, he's there all hours of the day. He's put a bed in the uh, the, the facility there, Hallis Hall in Lake Forest, Illinois. And uh, our friend Sammy made a nice little graphic, put it out there. Like, look at Ryan Poles. And of course, it's predictable. Here comes, here comes old man Twitter. Nah, I was working at 120 hours per week. This guy sucks. You know what? Nobody cares. Like I don't know how they do it in uh, Detroit or all this. Like it's not a it's not a braggable thing. Like, I'm a blue collar worker that's been exploited by the corporation. Like it's not a braggable thing. Ryan pulls out there. This is exactly braggable. This is exactly what we want to see. We want to see a guy who knows what he needs to do to get to that next level. If you look at what happened last season, and even for opti- optimists like me who thought that the Bears could be very competitive. And I think the Bears were competitive. It wasn't like they were getting blown out in these games. They were losing some very tight contests. Ryan Poles has set a plan in motion, and everybody should feel very good about it. And as we start getting closer to the start of training camps, these are things that we should be encouraged by, that Ryan Poles is there locking it down, getting ready, getting us all set and ready to go. And speaking of set and ready to go, I'm ready to get this show started. So, Sammy, let's waste no more time. Let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. And it's time for Take It to the Rank. We are getting oh so close to the beginning of training camp. And I can't wait to talk about it. I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. Sammy learned a little bit about uh, U.S. history. He's Canadian if you're unaware. And so last week I'm like, buddy, uh, we need to take the 4th of July off. He's like, how dare you? Ryan Poles is the, I bet Ryan Poles actually did take. No, I'm just kidding. Sammy knows what the 4th of July is. I'm just having to go at him. And so we're really excited to get started here. Uh, Carmen Vitale will be joining us here in a matter of moments, but first a little bit of housekeeping. I will be joining our guy draft Dr. Phil on the tape. Never lies network tomorrow night. Wednesday, 9 East. I'm looking forward to that. Shane, uh, speaking of vacations, Shane is down vacationing. I, I almost gave away where he was. 
he's such a big celebrity. You don't want to tip it off. Like when Brad Pitt is in the Hamptons, you don't want to be like, Hey, he's in the Hamptons. So I won't say where Shane is vacationing, but he's not going to be there. It's going to be draft. Dr. Phil, your boy, Adam, mano a mano chopping it up about the Chicago bears going overall. I got some stories to tell, but in any event, also this weekend, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, Cam Hayward's Three Rivers Celebrity Softball Classic is Saturday night. It's at the home of the Washington Wild Things. It is a celebrity softball tournament. I don't know how I was invited, but yet some somehow I was. Uh, but they have real celebrities. Dr. Britt Baker is going to be there. Yeah, if you're an AEW fan, Braun Strowman, and of course the Chicago Bears own Jaquan Brisker, who's going to be part of Team Pittsburgh, part of the Berg. I will be on Team World, but Jaquan Brisker will be there. And let's let's be honest, I'm going to try to ingratiate myself with Jaquan Brisker, try to get him on the show. I don't know if he's going to do it, but we're going to try. So hopefully him and I will be best friends by the end of that night. Uh, I'll try to take it easy on Team Berg, but you know what? I'm looking forward to putting up some Otani-like stats. But listen, speaking of celebrities, uh, let's bring in our own celebrity, a real celebrity from foxsports.com. And more importantly, she is our co-host on Take It to the Rank. It is Carmen Vitale. Carmen, how you living? Uh, I'm great. It's a beautiful evening in Chicago, Illinois. So I'm, I'm wonderful. I would say that since, and I saw this on threads, because everybody's everybody's hype on the threads. Yeah. Ever since threads started, it's it's the weather's been great in Chicago. Is there a correlation there? It did rain. I got caught in the rain. I went to oh, JP Graziano's no. today and got caught in the rain getting a sandwich. And if people in Chicago know what JP Graziano's is, it's the best sandwich shop here in Chicago. So I was like, oh, got caught no. in the rain trying to get a sandwich, but it's fine because then I just stayed at JP's and shout out to them because I love them and they love me. So it's it's a wonderful symbiotic relationship. And I just hung out there until the rain stopped. But That's hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, so Brenda was the one, I think that she's the one who, who uh, threaded that out or whatever you'll call it. Now you jinx the Chicago weather. It is so easy. I remember being in Chicago a couple of summers ago when we were doing a show at the beat kitchen, but before that I was in downtown Chicago before I went up to Roscoe village, I was at the Portillo's the one by the rainforest cafe. It's on what Indianapolis. RIP, um, but yeah, Ohio. And no, it's on uh, Ohio. And, Ohio. And, yeah. yeah. I think it's by the Marriott. Not all that, yeah. Ohio. The old, the old uh, rainforest cafe. I was on the phone and it was like 101 degrees out. That's sorry, Sammy, uh, 40 degrees. So it was 40 <laughs> degrees out. And all of a sudden, Sammy, it dropped down to about 30, maybe 25. And I hung up the phone. I'm like, I got to go. It's going to start mm -hmm. raining. I had to sprint back to my hotel. I had finished my meal. So in any event, like that's the way the weather changes uh, in Chicago, even in July. And we just had the 4th of July holiday. Now it's time to get serious because it feels like to me, at least whenever you hit that 4th of July holiday and for a lot of people, it is the, the beginning of summer for most, but for us, it feels like this is when football season starts. Uh, do you, does it feel that way to you? Like this is now, it's now football season. Um, it's getting there. I think that people are still like, I'm holding on to my last shreds of the summer before. Yeah. I have to start doing training camp rounds and, I think that's like training camp is this really fun time, at least, especially when I was working for a team, I would like you get in this mode. 
that you know it's gonna everything is gonna be so regimented so like everything in your life just becomes really regimented like all right i'm gonna eat this many calories a day i'm gonna work out at this time every day because like you already have such a rigid schedule and i feel like that's what like the players do as well is they're just like all right this is gonna be hell anyway so i might as well just do everything that i need to to really get my, myself in shape um but i think that right now you're just holding on to like the last bits of summer and trying Are to what about the maniacs? Like, are they like you worked for teams? Are there mm-hmm. some guys that are like, you know what? I'm already in training camp mode. Or are there guys like you said who are like, I'm gonna have this whole carton of Hagen Doss, and I don't care because I'm gonna burn this off in three weeks, anyways. I think Bears fans will be interested to know. I was at O line masterminds this last weekend, and three Bears offensive linemen, including the entire left side starting side of the line, were in attendance. Um, and I got to talk to Tevin Jenkins and Braxton Jones uh, and had a really fun conversation with them. But uh, Braxton, I think, was even complaining about the fact that he wasn't able to eat what he wanted to because he oh. was already he was on a strict diet um, and had been eating really well all offseason. Neither of them. It was really cool to see them there because O-Line Masterminds is the same weekend every year. It's July. It's like the weekend after the 4th of July, which is mm-hmm. hard because that's kind of the time when these guys have off. It's one of the very few weekends yeah. they have off in the summer. And so to ask them to come to a seminar and get back into work mode for a weekend, I feel like it's a lot, but a lot of guys do it. They had the biggest turnout they've ever had this year. And that was the kind of sentiment among all those guys. We're like, we're just here. We're trying to get better. And that's what we've been doing all off season. So Tevin hasn't really taken a vacation. I literally asked both of them. I was like, have you taken a vacation? Are you planning on taking a vacation? They're like, no, this is our vacation. So yeah. I think Braxton Jones went to Lake Powell for like a weekend. But like, that oh, was okay. it. <laughs> that was it. No, no grand plans. And they've been really working a lot this offseason. So, I mean, you get the gamut, though. You get guys that are still, you know, eating the hog and nuts. But then you have guys that train all year round very, very diligently. Like, when Dominican Sue comes to mind, um, I've never... Ooh witness someone that takes care of themselves like he does um he takes his vacations every now and again and yeah like he'll something he'll sit out uh otas or minicamp even i mean he didn't join a team last year until like midway through the season but he has his own training regimen that is out of portland at the nike facility Um, so he works directly with nike um and the trainers there and like this like these world-class scientists and performance experts it's wild and he does that all year round all right well it makes sense because you have a limited well you have a limited time in the nfl and like there's vacations and you can take care of that at some other point so i understand the sentiment there but since you since you mentioned the offensive line i'm going to skip ahead in the rundown if you don't mind yeah everybody uh because pro football focus ranked the bears offensive line at number 21 this is down seven spots which was uh because i was actually researching the dolphins offensive line they have the dolphins at 20 which i i would not agree that they're better than the bears at this point um what do you think i think this is too low for me Uh, do you believe that this is accurate i think pff got really caught up with the fact that so many guys changed positions but they didn't account for the fact that a lot of those guys were already there and they have continuity now not to mention it's very i feel like it's probably not well known on the national level just the fact that they the bears have their projected starting five at this point in the year which is not a luxury they had last year Mm -hmm. so the continuity is going to be huge and it really comes in handy when you know the guys next to you when you know when he needs help what i need to do to get to him what he's like how he moves when you're it's a slide protection or this or that or the other like 
to know what the guy next to you is going to do is so huge. And that's why offensive linemen working as a unit is such a big deal. So I feel like that's the biggest hurdle they had last year is that the guys weren't as familiar with each other because that was an ever rotating cast of characters for injuries or evaluations or however um, it was decided. And now that's not going to be the issue. So I do think it's too low. Um, I think that they found natural positions for all of these guys. Um, it was a really eye-opening conversation with Tevin Jenkins. I had um, actually just today. We 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 kind of got back up after I, I saw him at O line masterminds, and I just talked to him about shifting over now to the left spot, left side playing guard. I mean, this is his third position that he's been on since he's been in Chicago. He was drafted at a different position. Yeah. Um, he's played all different positions. He played left tackle and left guard in college. Um, but he hasn't been – he said he hasn't been left guard since, I think, his freshman year of college or his fr- freshman or sophomore year of college. He hasn't played left guard since then. So now it's retraining all of these muscles um, that we're so used to. Right. right. So I well, get talking- where PFF is coming from there. I get what – it is going to be an adjustment, and I appreciate that they know that it's going to be an adjustment, but I do think it's too low. What did he say? Now, I know that you've talked about this at great length, and you always stand up for the lineman. You're the trench girl. And you always say, look, it's not as simple as like, oh, you go here and there. Like it is almost sometimes like learning how to get hit, hit a golf ball left-handed when you're asked to do that footwork. Did Tevin give an implication that like, it's still going to end up being good. Like he's not concerned about it. What was he, what was his feelings? Yeah. The good news is, like I said, he does have familiarity on being on the left side and he was drafted by the bears as a left tackle. And then he moved to right tackle and then he moved inside to right guard. So uh, this now that he's moving, he, he has the guard position and he said that he's really comfortable in the guard position. Um, you're dealing with bigger guys, so you have to be a little bit stronger. You have to be a little bit more quick to engage. He said that as a tackle, you have about two full seconds before you actually have to make meaningful contact with your defender because it's the edge guys that are kind of coming around and bending around. Now you're dealing with guys that are literally right in front of you and they're a solid maybe 60 to 70 pounds heavier than the guys that are coming off the edge. And that's a whole different kind of skill set, but it's one that he enjoys and he likes getting his hands on guys and being really aggressive when it comes to that. So I think that's why guard clicked for him so well. And then with the addition of Nate Davis, that's why the bears moved him over to the left side. That was an almost instantaneous decision. He told me when they signed Nate Davis, it was a five minutes later, he got the phone call that was like, Hey, can you move to left guard? <laughs> and he was like, is yeah. that, he's literally like, is that something that you're comfortable working on and doing? And Tevin was like, biggest team player was like, absolutely. Like if this is my shot to stay on the Chicago bears, I'm going to do it. And he has done so much more than I think people realize because he's been working out at the facility all off season, but mentally that's the hardest part because you have all this muscle memory on the right side. So now you have to work against that muscle memory and then also train the left side, which is a group of muscles that you haven't used in forever. So there's the physical aspect of that, but then there's the mental component and he actually has a mental coach. He has uh, like, I I don't know that it's a mental health coach because I think it's more to do with getting his mentality right to play. Um, But I'm sure that's all encompassing, but it was somebody the bears referred him to And it was really important to him because he knew that if he was going to be making these adjustments and adapting, the biggest part of that was mental. 
So that's what he's been working on. And he knows that, you know, he's had this whole offseason to get used to that left side. And then he'll have the benefit of training camp as well to keep getting more reps. But he has the right mentality about it. And that was so cool to hear. Yeah. And if you go back to last season, you know, even being in training camp in early August with the Chicago Bears, I remember like he was nowhere to be found. And there was speculation that he was going to be traded or he wasn't going to be a member of the team. And then all of a sudden he shows up and he's a right guard after, as you said, being drafted for a different position after being drafted for left tackle, but then going to right guard. And I think that he ended up, and I know that the, that pro football focus said that Braxton Jones was probably our best offensive lineman, but I really think that it was Tevin Jenkins. And when you talk about the, the hand-to-hand combat, like he seems, and I mean this in a, in a positive way for a football player, but like he seems mean. And like, yeah. that's the kind of guy that you want inside. He's not, he's not a mean person. He's actually no, no, a wonderful no, 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 human. No, no, no. no, I know. Oh. But no, you want that nasty streak uh, when you step onto the field. And that is something that he is able to turn on. And I even asked him about being a tone setter for the line, thinking that maybe he likes to get the guys going and he likes to have that nasty streak. So he wants to be kind of the tone setter on that line. But he gave me this analogy and I really loved He got this from his college coach at Oklahoma State. And he, it's basically the, I think he called it the five finger analogy. So his coach told him, you know, if you have your hand open like this and, you know, these two are on point and these three aren't like hitting someone isn't going to do much. Like if you're just hitting with these two fingers or whatever, the moment though, that all of these guys work together and they become tight, that's a fist. And punching someone <laughs> is going to hurt a lot more. So they, he wants he thinks that everybody on the line is responsible for setting the tone. And he's like, it doesn't matter if I'm up to, you know, if I'm ready to go and the other four aren't. So they, they've had a lot of time now together. And like, like I said, having that continuity and having that starting five is going to pay off for reasons like that, where they are now able to work together, set the tone together and set the tone for the rest of the offense, which that's what they want to do, but they want to do it as a unit. And so I thought that was really cool. No, I love that. I love that analogy. That feels perfect. And you know what? I understand that Darnell Wright is going to be a little bit of an unknown as a rookie. Braxton Jones, to me, is a good player. Like, I won't hear anything of it. I know that Pro Football Focus has given him favorable grades. Uh, Kevin Kevin Jenkins. Cody Whitehair has had his best success at center. Do you ever – did you – now, I'm assuming that was one of the players that you saw at the event that you were at this weekend. How does he feel about moving to center? Because I feel like, again, like his best work was always at center. Yeah. Well, Cody wasn't there, unfortunately. Okay. Um, it's actually Cody's birthday today, I think. Oh! Um, but he has over 4,000 snaps at the position. And that's not something that he even goes around talking about because I remember talking to Braxton and Tevin at the event this weekend, and we were talking about Cody's move inside to center and they were like yeah he really you know he's he's on point he knows what he's doing and i was like yeah he has over four thousand snaps there and they're like is it that much and i was like yeah he's very he's very well versed at center and i think that that's a huge thing too for justin fields because of the fact that a center can take so much work off of a quarterback's plate they can make the checks they can make the ids they can tell their quarterback what they're looking at when a defense steps on the field and lines up that's something that It depends on who's under center. Some quarterbacks want that responsibility. Others don't. Others are just young. And I think that that's the case with Justin where he's still developing and he's still trying to put everything together. Now you've got a guy in front of you that has experience making all of those identifications and can tell you what you're looking at, which is going to be huge for Justin. And I think that's going to help him tremendously. So 
I really love that move. I think that they've, again, the Bears have really identified where these guys are best suited and they put them in those roles. Uh, Braxton Jones looks great. Hasn't really, like I said, hasn't taken a vacation, has spent all off season at Hallis Hall in the weight room. He's on a strict diet. He's trying to get stronger um, now that he has the benefit of a full NFL off season to prepare for a season. I think that that's something that's also misunderstood. Yeah. Um, is that when you're training as a rookie for the combine and for the draft, um, for that pre-draft process, that's completely different than what you're doing when you're preparing for a season. So you're, you're focusing on fat, being fast, on being kind of light on your feet, the agile, you know, whatever. But that's not always, especially for linemen, that's not always the answer. Sometimes you need to have a little bit more weight and you can sacrifice a little bit of speed because you're not trying to run 40 yards. Um, and you want to be bigger. So there's all of these things that you are training for, for your pro day, for the combine that now he doesn't have to worry about and he can just focus on this, uh, this off season. So I really think that it's a lot more solid and just, there's so much more continuity, which I think is going to pay off for them and the entire offense. Yeah. I look at the offensive line and with Braxton Jones, like nothing about him. Like I'm not even concerned about it. And Nate Davis coming in, he's a solid player as well. And as long as the rookie Darnell Wright is able to come in and contribute, he doesn't have to be a showstopper right off the bat. If he can come in and contribute, then that's great too. I feel last year, Pro Football Focus gave us too much credit. Now I don't think they're giving us enough credit, but it's fine. And it's like, okay, but like I'm still I'm 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 confident. Like that's the big thing. I'm confident that it's not gonna be an issue. And so moving forward, I think that's not gonna be anything that we're going to have to talk about. Now, one thing that people are talking about is ESPN recently did a poll, or I don't know if they were polling people or whatever it was. They had Roquan Smith listed as the number two off the ball linebacker. And of course there was a GM who was like, I don't understand why the bears got rid of this guy, which obviously you're not studying it. Uh, We've talked about this at great length and we've gone over this time and time again. I feel like it's worth reiterating it here, but can you tell me, like in that list of who the number? Okay, Roquan Smith's number two. Remind me, what? Who was the number three guy? Um, I think it was a guy that currently wears a blue and uh, orange, a navy and orange uniform. Tremaine Edmonds. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So we don't have the two. We have the third guy, and it feels like we got a lot more. We got a lot more bang for our buck than what we would have gotten if we just had Roquan Smith. Like Roquan Smith is like, you know, you're spending, you know, you're, you're spending a little bit more for one person as opposed to like numerous pieces. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. The Bears, all right, I, I, wrote, I wrote out this timeline because I wanted to refresh myself, right? Mm. And figure out how this all happened. So you trade Roquan, you get yeah. a second round pick back from the Baltimore Ravens as well as a fifth round pick. Yes. I'll come back to that. So then you also now go out immediately and you trade for Chase, Chase Claypool. You don't trade the pick that the Ravens gave you. You trade your own, which is 30 second, 32 overall. Everyone's saying that's basically a first round pick. It's not. It's not. And it's not because you don't have to, like, you don't have the benefit of the fifth year option with those guys and you don't have to pay them as a first year. So it's, it's, it's not, it's a second round pick. I get for choosing purposes, whatever. But anyway, yeah. that um, that number fifty three overall pick turned into Javon Dexter for the for the Bears, who they expect to compete for that starting three tech spot. 
and they draft on traits. That's something that Ryan Poles has been very transparent with. That's why they have Darnell Wright when a lot of people didn't think he was going to go that high. That's why they have Javon Dexter. Javon Dexter was responsible for a two-gap system in Florida. And so you didn't get to see him rush the passer. You didn't get to see him push the pocket as much because he was there to eat up space more than anything else. That's not what he likes to do. And the Bears recognize that. So now you have a guy that you got in the second round regardless that is going to push for that starting three-tech spot. Great. You know what that number, that that fifth-round pick, you know who that fifth-round pick turned into? I have an idea, but why don't you go ahead and tell me? Noah Sewell. Yeah. Out of Oregon. So he is also expected to compete or be in that linebacker rotation, um, can be used for certain packages, can be used on special teams immediately. For all intents and purposes, comes with some pretty great NFL pedigree, being that he's Panay Sewell's brother. Yeah. And would push Panay Sewell, like, it, as they were growing up, you know, trying to beat him at everything. And Panay Sewell is a fen- phenomenal player for the Lions. So now you have those guys for Roquan, essentially. So you didn't really downgrade because Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith, I mean, I know Roquan reset the market as far as linebackers go, but Tremaine Edmonds. He's right there. And the more that you watch his game, I feel like the more that you really love him as a player, his lateral quickness and his ability to diagnose plays, I feel like the pro- his processing is so good. And he's he's physical, man. He's big. He's physical. He's long. And that's exactly what the Bears value. I don't know that Roquan fits like the long, rangy kind of description. He's a great linebacker. But I think for this system... Tremaine Edmonds, I think, fits it better. So you're not really downgrading there. And then now all of a sudden, you've got you got a guy that, you know, is really valuable in the second round, regardless of the fact that you didn't get that number, you don't have number 32. And then you got Noah Sewell, who could end up being a really good player for this franchise. Yeah, there's a and there is still more to that too, because we got TJ Edwards. So right. we were and able in, to in free agency, you get him, <laughs> who I think is really underrated, too. I mean, this is the guy that wore the green dot for the best defense in the NFL last year. So, And and so, and this will be always the thing that people go back and they'll point to and they'll be like, well, you gave up Chase Claypool for the 32nd overall pick, the first pick in the second round. And Joey Porter Jr. is the guy who was drafted there. Now, there will be a comparison, Chase Claypool, Joey Porter Jr. I don't think that's the comparison that's going to be made in the future, it's going to be Joey Porter Jr. and Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback mm-hmm. that we got out of Miami, who was actually a standout recruit of Georgia back in the day, yeah. went to Miami, kind of disappeared. I've been talking about this for quite some time. I go, if Stevenson ends up being better than Joey Porter Jr., nobody is going to hear the end of it because mm-hmm. I will bring it up all the time. I will not stop, and I will just continue to harp on this forever because that is one of the great things that Ryan Poles was able to do is just mixing it, just turning this into a, a, a bigger deal. You know, it's like you overpaid for something. I, I returned something to Amazon today that I didn't need anymore. Uh, it was something that I bought for a vacation that I never ended up using the money that I got back. I ended up buying like a bunch of different things for my kids. So I'm like, Oh, this ended up working out better. And these are the kind of moves that you need to make uh, to make your team better because it's all about roster building at this point. Roquan Smith is a great player. And I love him, and I will appreciate everything that he ever did in Chicago. But ultimately, where the Bears are right now in their rebuild process, we need more players. We need more dudes. There are certain teams out there, the Miami Dolphins, for instance. You're in a position where you could go out and get Jalen Ramsey. It makes a huge difference to you taking that next step. Last year, the Buffalo Bills went out there and got Von Miller. We hope that the Bears will eventually be in that spot 
where they're like, oh, well, we'll just go cherry pick a player here. We'll find a team that's rebuilding and take one of their guys there. But for right now, what the Bears needed were more players. And I think, you know, obviously we need to see some of these rookies play. I think overall that was the the proper way to go. Yeah. And I mean, you look at Tyreek Stevenson, too. He's he's the number two outside corner. Like, yeah, it's Jalen Johnson and then Tyreek Stevenson. So you're getting a starter out of that, too. Um, and I think that you're right. I think that's going to be compared. To, he's going to be compared to, to Joey Porter Jr. But I also think that he's going to pan out. Everybody oh. I've talked to around the league and coaches and evaluators have all, were all very impressed with him. And I mean, I think that he went through some stuff where he transferred out of Georgia and that was, he even kind of talked about that during his after post-draft press conference where he was like, you know, was that the best idea? Was that me being a little bit immature? Yeah, it probably was, but he learned from it and just seems to have really grown from that experience and is ready to take on starting snaps uh, for an NFL defense now. So I think that it, it, again, like you said, they needed more players. They still need more players, and they've got more draft capital, though, next year to, to handle that. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. We still have two additional first-round picks going into the next – well, to our pick in the, in the Carolina Panthers, which I'm scared that the Carolina Panthers are going to be good, but it doesn't matter. If you have two picks in the first round, it, it's still – they're going to be fine, right? Like, it sucks. Like, them. I know. We need I it. think they're going to be kind of sneaky. I know. Everybody – you know what's funny is everybody keeps picking the Panthers – I think the team you need to watch out for is Atlanta. I think Atlanta's actually done a pretty nice job of of putting together a team that can compete in the NFC South, but all that. But we're rooting for the Falcons. We're rooting for the Saints and even your old Buccaneers. Uh, <laughs> beat the Panthers. That's what we need. Speaking of the Panthers, one of their former wide receivers, DJ Moore is making huge news. And I feel like it's still – I'm still in this mode where I have to go and try to explain to people they're so dismissive. They act like, oh, this guy's not as good as Stefan Diggs. I'm like, I, I think he kind of is. And I and, he, and he's not sparring. He never sparred with any of his quarterbacks like Stefan Diggs did. Uh, A.J. Brown's a delightful per- player, person and player. He's a nice guy, too. I and D.J. Moore's in that conversation. Tyree Kill might be a, a special circumstance. I still love this D.J. Moore thing. Um I don't know. I don't know if you want to, I know that we've talked about it at great length, but it's like, <laughs> I, here's my thing. I keep getting more and more excited about it. And I, I know it's the, the run up to the draft where you get, ah, you can really like start to focus. But I really think that DJ Moore is going to be such a difference maker. What do you think it's going to mean for somebody like Darnell Mooney? We saw Darnell Mooney this week talking about like, look, we're ready to win. What do you think it means for Darnell Mooney? Because I think that's kind of gone kind of under the radar. I think for Darnell Mooney, it's going to be so beneficial to have a guy like DJ Moore on the field with him, and he's going to really open up, and we're going to see a, a, him take another leap that we thought he was going to take last year. Yeah, I think Darnell, Mo- or yeah, Darnell Mooney was a little miscast as a number one, and yeah. I don't think it was fair of him, or fair of the Bears to expect that kind of production out of him because he's not a big guy. He's not going to compete inside the slot with those really physical DBs and the safeties coming down in the box and everything like that. You're not, it's going to get really tough in the middle for him because he's not a big player where he does shine is on the outside because of his speed. He's, he can stretch the field very easily. And if defenses are paying more attention to DJ Moore, they're going to lose Darnell Mooney at some point. He's going to get free. He's going to be, 
completely, you know, there's going to be a missed assignment on him. There's going to be a good, uh, he's going to find favorable matchups because of the fact that people are so worried about what DJ Moore can do. And I think that that is going to let Darnell Mooney shine and be in the role that he's meant to be in. And it's going to turn into more production that way. I will say the DJ Moore connection with Justin Fields, I have heard from offensive players, defensive players, offensive coaches, defensive coaches, agents, evaluators, everything that this relationship is already blossoming. It's already, they already have a ton of chemistry and it's working really well. So fantasy people out there pick up DJ Moore because also if you look, I get the, I guess the, the conversation around DJ Moore not being Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. And I think that that's fair, but at the same time, you need to look back at what he was able to do in Carolina with subpar quarterback play, and that's putting it nicely. This guy had back-to-back-to-back 1,100-yard seasons with guys like P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold and a, age, a really aging Cam Newton. Like th- Those were the guys that were throwing him the ball. Those were the guys that he had to work with, and D.J. Moore was still wildly productive when it came to yardage. Now, getting into the end zone, that's, the <laughs> that's another thing. But at the same time, he can get you up and down the field. And now the Bears have red zone targets in Chase Claypool, even in Robert Tunyon, in Cole Komet. Like, you have guys that can make those big contested catches when you get into the red area. And I feel like DJ Moore is going to be the one to get you there. (laughs) Yeah. So I just feel really good about that relationship. And I feel really good about the fact that it's only – July, like we haven't even seen them in training camp together. And already everyone is saying that Justin Fields and DJ Moore are on the same page. No, I love that. And I've always loved DJ Moore. And I know that he's been frustrating from a fantasy perspective. And anybody who follows me or watches me on NFL Fantasy Live, they know. And I've talked about this because I've always drafted DJ Moore. I've continued to be a a huge fan of his ever since he came out of college. And I know that it was frustrating. It would always be one of those situations where it's like I felt like he had a great matchup, like I don't know if it's I don't know if the Falcons are the right example, but there are teams like there are matchups where you're like, okay, he's got a plus matchup, like he's gonna go out there. This team's giving up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers, and then DJ Moore does nothing, and then he goes up against a tough team and has a monster game. And it was always frustrating in that sense, but you still felt he was one of the best wide receivers in the game. So I feel that people are not giving him enough credit. I just put it out there that like people hate the Bears and they just they don't want Justin Fields to succeed, and everybody just wants to be a jerk, and that's fine. Like be that way. Like nobody, nobody who I take seriously thinks that DJ Moore is a bad player or isn't on par with Stephon Diggs and AJ Brown. Like they, they don't like the guys who I know, who I talk to on a regular basis, they all love him. And the only, yeah, there's nobody. I mean, yeah, there's nobody. I don't want to burn anybody, but no, no, there's nobody who, who feels that way. I think he's great. And I think he's going to be fantastic. I know a lot of people, I always love the mathematicians who are out there like, well, you know, like, Based on, like, you can't do based on anything because the offensive line should be better. Mm-hmm. I know there's targets to be spread around. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of, like, is he going to get 140 targets? Is he going to get 160 targets? The hope is is that the Bears run, and they could run pretty well. And if he gets 140 targets, he's going to have 1,200 yards. If he gets the end zones, the touchdowns, they're volatile. It's a very volatile statistic. I know it's very it's frustrating to people who play fantasy, but look at guys like Julio Jones. Boys had problems like getting into the end zone. Chase Chase Claypool during his rookie season had what, 11 touchdowns or he had nine or something. He did very good 
getting into the end zone. So I don't think that you need to worry about that part of it, but I think that the Bears have got themselves a very good wide receiver. And uh, it feels like for the first time and since, what, Brandon Marshall was in town, maybe Alshon mm-hmm. Jeffrey. I think this is good. And I think he's a, an opportunity to be as good as those guys. All right, Sammy, I'm sure that there are some questions out there amongst the audience. Uh, we've, again, gabbed way too long without indulging our audience, and I apologize to that. Melbourne Bartholomew, uh, Gervin Dexter's senior, is preparing like a vet more than a rookie putting in OT and the bears culture seems different with the vets putting in overtime together. What do you think about that? I, I think that, it, I mean, perhaps it's because I watch social media too much, but whenever I see these guys, it always feels like they're out there grinding. It doesn't, I don't see a lot of party videos. I see a lot of guys going out there and putting in the work. What do you think? Well, when we heard from Justin Jones in minicamp, he talked about how Javon Dexter and even Zach Pickens, a lot of these rookies were, they were, they were preparing like vets. They were acting like vets. They were hold, like holding themselves accountable for mistakes, but working really, really hard, asking the right questions. And it's because all of these players love Matt Eberflus. And I, I mean, to some extent, Ryan Poles as well, because obviously he's the one that's assembled the team. But even when Matt Eberflus first got there, I know a few guys on his staff and they talked to me so much about how players love playing for Flus. He is such a player-friendly coach. And that has rung true now going into his second year. Like, this entire roster trusts him. They understand that this is a process, but they love playing for Matt Eberflus. And so it makes that culture just really solid. And it helps vets kind of lead young guys, but it also has young, like the young guys have to step up to the plate and they have to fit in right away into this really solid foundation that both Eberflus and Poles have built. So um, that's been a consistent sentiment that I've heard from every guy that we've gotten to talk to that they really like their coaches and they really like their staff and they really like what this team is building. And I think that's why you've heard them be so loud in their belief in this team as soon as this year yeah by the way i'm glad i forgot about this but now that this now that you just made this comment i'm pissed all over again who the bleep was the clown who had a ranking of nfl coaches and fluce was 31st 30 First. I didn't it see was, that. Oh my God. I'm glad that I forgot about it. I meant to make a note of it, but I remember just like, I'm reading this because I know a lot of, you know, there's people at NFL.com who do this. I think Greg Rosen, it wasn't Greg Rosenthal, but I know the, the guys who will rate coaches and stuff like that. Every time was that it they shook? do. Was it shook? Cause I'll yell at him. Sh- if it's shook, <laughs> I would know. Cause I would, I, I feel like I would have reached out to him personally. Cause I would have, <laughs> I would have called Nick up on the phone and been like, what the, I would have got, I would have booked him. Uh, to come on and defend that thing. Because a lot of times when these guys do the rankings, what they do is that any coach who's a first-year coach goes to the bottom of the of the list. So Shane Steichen and all these guys who have never coached in the NFL. would <laughs> would, And I think there's six or seven new coaches. Uh, there seems to be every year. Those guys go to the bottom of the list. And if, you know, and then you start off from there. Like, no, Fluce is behind those guys like i can't even remember who even the 32nd was it wasn't josh mcdaniels because i'm like is it mcdaniels uh it wasn't josh mcdaniels but it was close and i'm like this is insanity and the whole thing was like well if you're a defensive minded coach and your defense sucks i'm like it's the personnel 
Like, it's not like he's been there for four years and he's built this defense. It's not like he's been good everywhere. And, and it, I, oh, it was so frustrating because I'll, I'll tell you a story too. Uh, Chase Daniel, who was uh, the, the, the game day final on Monday nights with me and Omar Ruiz. Chase Daniel played at Missouri when Flus was there and just loves him. Just loves him. I've never met a person who's like, this guy isn't a great coach. Like, even a guy who didn't play, like, I remember I, I ran into one of the guys, a former, we had a little reunion for uh, some of the NFL publishing people, my friend Brian Peterson, who went to Missouri. Even then, even him comes up and like, flu, like, guys who are just so far removed, it's insanity. Who are the 30 coaches are better than, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I think that's more given the fact that all of the progress that Flus has made up until this point has been pretty intangible. Like, there's no stats you can point to to say that, He's turned this franchise around in his first year and we've gotten accustomed to coaches kind of being able to do that, but it's kind of all smoke and mirrors because you have to be, like you said, set up with the personnel in order to succeed in your first year. And that's not a luxury that Flus was given. And the fact that he wasn't and the fact that he does have the belief in the team, despite the fact that they've had to go through all of this turnover, um, I think is very telling and again, like you said, if you talk to people around the league, if you talk to people that have played for him, played, you know, coached with him, played for him, nobody has a bad word to say about this guy. And he is super low-key when it comes to the media, too. I think that probably hurts him. Yeah. Fluce gives us nothing. Like, nothing. Like, if I had, didn't hear from these players and these coaches that he had a personality, no offense, I would not think he did. Because he doesn't really have a personality with the media. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, not that's that's not a prerequisite necessarily from being a coach it, it helps i think but he doesn't give us any information like he wouldn't even tell he told us darnell mooney was on track in minicamp and <laughs> rehab but like wouldn't tell us what that meant so yeah. like i get that he likes to keep things close to the vest and he doesn't you know really trust uh the media given that it's his first time being a head coach and i think that's totally fair um that's not something that you usually have to do as a coordinator like you at max have to talk to the media once a week oh yeah um so like you're just not used to kind of the reps and like he does have a little bit of personality like once the mics are off so I, it's not fair of me to say he doesn't have one because i know he does and he's right. really nice to us i was i was about to cut you off while you were saying but i i wanted you to finish your point but yeah well here's yeah. the thing when the mics are off it's just like he doesn't give you anything when the mics are off. Yeah. so i think that him in the national perspective that's that, that's my point not that he doesn't have a personality but he doesn't have a personality when the mics are on and i think that that comes into play when you talk about these lists especially with the absence of tangible progress right now but he's done so much when it comes to building a foundation and culture and i really am appreciative of that i but i think that that should be taken into account and i will tell you one story about matt Eberflus. i'm sure that i've said it on the show a couple of times if not you probably have heard me say this Last year when I was at Hallis Hall, you know, my first time meeting him and his daughters or one of his daughters has graduated from Chapman University here in Orange, California, which incidentally or coincidentally is where I am a guest lecturer. I teach a sports broadcasting class and I was like, hey, coach, I go, is your daughter still at Chapman? Because I'm, you know, I'm on staff there. And he goes, oh, yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, he's like, where do you live? And I'm like, oh, I'm down in Huntington Beach. He's like, oh, my God, have you ever been like we had this great conversation about this place called the sugar shack in downtown Huntington beach, like could not be like a better part. Like, Oh my God, like we're bonding. Like this is going to be the greatest interview of all time. And then once the lights go on and it's Stacy Dales, me and, and coach blues, then it's like, what happened? Like, to right. Who are you? Who are you? Fun guy? 
right right exactly like that yeah but he just yeah it's he has a wonderful he's he's like i said he's a very sweet man he's really nice and he is very jovial when the mics are not on yeah then the the minute the mic comes on and the lights are on and he's sitting at that desk it's like we're not getting anything out of you today are we yeah (laughs) i think that that hurts when from the national perspective when that's all national writers see um or national pundits or whoever it is when that's all you see i mean that's not inspiring any sort of uh belief or whatever so again like i said in the absence of tangible results this was a three-win team last year the defense was horrendous and i'm not saying that was Fluce's fault because he had nothing to work with but right i can understand where that come that ranking comes from although i don't think it's fair and i think that that you know the bears might surprise some people this year every first year coach should be behind him they just yeah, should. That's fair. And they that's even fair. if you have even if you wanted to put Frank Reich ahead of him, I'm like that. I don't know. Flus has never Frank, been well, Frank Reich's a great coach. I do too. But you know what? One of them's been fired from their job as a head coach. One hasn't. Uh, oh, and that's a Fluce. that's a reality of the job. <laughs> you can't judge guys for getting fired. Everybody. I would gets not. Fired. I would. I would not. I know that's that's the thing too. Is like I I always feel like the NFL is like a corporation. You don't get fired. You get demoted. Like you're right. demoted to some other, and you got to transfer to our Cleveland branch or whatever it right. is. Uh, yeah, you were living in Miami. Now you're going to Cleveland. Sorry, sorry about your luck. I um, but I love Flus, and I hope. Uh, I I thought too. You know what the thing is? He's also like a dad. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he he's a. I mean, literally, he's literally a dad. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. You see, you see Kyle Shanahan out there wearing trucker hats. He's very happy. Uh, Matt LaFleur has the, 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 the manicured eyebrows. You're like, okay, like those guys are movie stars. Flus is just like, he's like, yeah, like it's a boys club. You know what I'm saying? Like Flus, like if, if it's like a CW show with like Sean McVay and Shanahan and, uh, and LaFleur, it's a CW show. And then Flus would play like the principal, like, oh yeah. Like the old stodgy principal or whatever, but we love him. And I'm glad that he's in Chicago. Uh, day bowls like fun too. Like he's kind of like, I get it. I, I, I get that part of it, but 31st is the dumbest thing, uh, that I've ever heard. Okay. How about another question, Sammy? I'm sorry. I'm grandstanding. Uh, Ron, what's going on? DJ Moore never had a good quarterback. Now he does. Okay. First of all, if you're coming after Ron, if you're first of all, thank you. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, donating the two bucks and getting your question asked. Don't besmirch my guy, Sam Darnold like that. No, I'm kidding. But it does make a lot of sense. I think that Justin Fields is the, and I like Sam Darnold, but he is I the do, most. I do. I think that was a sneaky pickup by the Niners, honestly. Oh my God. Yeah. I think that's going to be interesting, but he didn't have any continuity Never. in Carolina and like, or with the Jets, even. It's like he's always looking over his shoulder and being in Tampa with the Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jameis Winston back and forth, that doesn't end well for anybody. Having quarterbacks compete with each other doesn't work out i've never seen that strategy work out and that's the only situations that sam darnold has really been in right and you know what you you think about the circumstances of where you're drafted and the kind of what you do like if you think about like where jimmy garoppolo had those couple of years playing behind tom brady and then was given a chance and garoppolo has battled injuries and it's one of the reasons why he hasn't been able to develop into a top flight nfl quarterback but if Sam Darnold had been in a situation where like he was backing up Tom Brady three years later, gets an opportunity, he would flourish. And I think that even now going to San Francisco with Brock Purdy, it's going to be difficult for him because I know that they love Brock Purdy 
And that's the guy that they want to succeed. Sam Darnold is going to make a lot of money for a long time because he's a good guy. He's a good teammate. People like him and he'll be a backup as long as he wants to continue to be in the NFL. But it's unfortunate because a lot of these guys get into situations where you're not really given an opportunity to flourish. And we're seeing that happen right now, especially when you're drafted by the Jets and it just sucks for him. Uh, how about another question though, Sammy? Uh, jazz. Oh, you're not far the way. Dar- this is a cartoon called Daria, which was famous on, uh, I hope you're not um, explaining Daria to me. I am. I'm, I'm explaining. No, it. I'm, I loved Daria. I that love. was like my angst. Are you kidding? I was like the angsty preteen watching yes. the angsty teenager. Like that was exactly my demographic. Okay. I didn't know if it, if it worked out for you timing wise, uh, if you're, if you're, eh, it's, I'm it's, older, I'm older than a lot of people. Think. All right. I love that cartoon, by the way. And her brother was the best. I loved her brother. Uh, but how do uh, Jazz is asking, how do we feel about the Chicago media assuming Bayless is on the roster bubble? I think that's a fair assessment. I think given what happened last season with my guy, my best friend, Bayless Jones Jr., we're still, we're still, a, we're still the uh, Bayless Jones Jr. show of record. I think it's fair, though. And I think that Bayless has taken it upon himself to, to, to work. And to understand that the NFL changes quickly. You know, last year he was a third round pick. He could easily be on that roster bubble. Tyler Scott is going to be there. We got Equinemia St. Brown, some other players who will be figuring into the mix as well. So he needs to take a step forward and he needs to get better. And I think that, you know, and I, you know, try to send some encouraging messages to him last year, even in games after the Commanders game, after the Vikings game. Those, there were some mistakes made, but I always told him, like, listen, your talent is there. You have the ability. I hope that he can find it because I think that he brings a facet. He brings some uh, excitement and he can do some things like he's a, he's a gadgety type player, like not, not in a bad way, but like in a Cordero Patterson type way that like, God, if he can start to put it together, he could be a real asset for this team. But what do you think? Like, it's fair to assume that he is on the bubble. That's correct. That wide receiver room has become very crowded all of a sudden because they added from the top down. So that shifts everybody down. And whereas he was maybe the fourth receiver last year, now he's battling for the fifth, sixth spot, even because you added Chase, you added TJ Moore and Chase Claypool. And then yeah, Tyler Scott, who was impressive in rookie minicamp and in regular minicamp. So now you have, you still have Academia St. Brown on the roster and Darnell Mooney. So that's a very crowded room, unfortunately. And you need, I feel like where Bayless Jones needs to take a step forward too, is he needs to be able to be trusted on kick returns. Yeah. And we can't have, you can't have the the fumbles and stuff like that because they are going to need some special teamers. That's the guaranteed way to make the roster is if you can provide value on special teams, but Tyler Scott was returning kicks when we saw him in mini camp, like he's going to have competition and every facet of what he could possibly do on this roster. So he is absolutely on the bubble, unfortunately um, for, yeah, for, for this podcast of record. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a tough it's business. A crowded room. It's a crowded room now. It's a tough business. And whenever you look at players, uh, even, you know, as high as second and third round picks and you wonder why they don't pan out and you know, one of those things, it, to me, it always comes down to special teams. Like, there's always great players that, you know, just seem to fall through the crowd. I remember this story. Um, some people might not remember, but there was a player named Dana Howard who played for the University of Illinois back in the day. Great player. I think he was the Buckus Award winner. 
He was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. This is the early 90s. And I always thought he was a good player. And he just didn't pan out. And I at one time asked somebody, like, hey, like, well, how did he not translate to the NFL? And somebody's like, well, he didn't want to work on special teams. Whereas somebody like Terrell Davis, who became a Super Bowl MVP, he's a Hall of Famer. Like, when you watch his early videos, you know, he was coming in from Long Beach State or he, with Georgia as well. But, like, he was a key contributor for the Denver Broncos on special teams. And that's why he stuck on that roster until eventually he got a spot. And for Valus Jones, exactly what you said. He needs to go out there and kill it on special teams because right now, when you look at the Bears' top four wide receivers, those are pretty good guys, you mm-hmm. know, like you just like you just laid out, or the first three guys at least in that rotating spot, with, assuming it's Tyler Scott. We also love him. This is also the Tyler Scott show of record as well. So that it's difficult for us because we we have we have loyalties to both players, but you know we hope they both make the team. But he's got to he's got to kill it through special teams. Okay, uh, let's get in another question at least for everybody who is here. Uh, the Bears eighty five. If we are playing meaningful games in December, I think the bookends of our schedule, the Packers, uh, will be a great gauge of the growth and the future of the North. How do you feel about that? I really do. And, you know, when you go into when we're, as we're going into the season, and I don't have to tell Carmen this because, of course, she covers the NFC North for FoxSports.com, it, it's shifted. The, the top of the division right now is the Minnesota Vikings, who are the defending champions, the Detroit Lions, everybody's darlings. So, really, the Bears and Packers are currently sitting at the bottom. But we hope that the Bears will be moved past the Packers. I know that we both differed on how week one is going to go, but I think that is, I, I, I do like the idea. I, I hate divisional games to start the season. I wish the first three weeks of the year were going up against non-divisional opponents, going out there, getting out of, out of the way, having a week four rivalry week. But of course, like not every team has a cool rivalry like the Bears, but um, I think it is a good way, and it's a good indication of where the Bears are going to stand, especially moving forward, especially with the Bear, uh, with the Packers going with Jordan Love. I think it, uh, I think it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, this division, I think, and I might be a little biased because it is the division I cover, but I do think it's it's the most wide open. I really, you could talk me into. I did a whole series for FoxSports.com making the case for each of these teams to win the division. Mm-hmm. And that what needed to happen in order for that to be the case. And there it's not everything that needed to happen was realistic for every team. So um, that's, I feel like week one won't be a great indicator of where these teams actually stand because it is week one. Yeah. You're relying on like, I feel like the reason that I have the Packers being the bears in week one is because they have a lot more continuity to rely on. Um, yes, they have a different quarterback, but they have a, a run game that has been one of the best running back tandems in the league for the last couple of years. They've got a lot of experience along that offensive line to keep Jordan Love protected. They also have a defense that, again, has eight first-round picks that didn't live up to their standards last year, but kind of started to put it all together at the end of the year. And they have a ton of those guys coming back. So I just feel like they have continuity to lean on when you don't have tape on your opponent. It's week one. You're still figuring things out. You're still establishing your own installs and everything like that. So I don't think that's a good indicator of what these two teams are ultimately going to be this coming season. But by week 18, I think we're absolutely going to have a picture of, all right, where is the NFC North moving forward? Are the Lions still on top? 
are the Vikings holding on to it or are they taking a major step back because of all of their departures? Are the bears on the right track? Are the Packers, you know, is there a huge learning curve for Jordan Love or not? Week 18, I feel like is going to really just shed some light, regardless of if either of those teams are playing for a playoff spot. It's going to tell us a lot about the future of the North. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea of it too, because as you said, all all four of those teams have a realistic shot, well, except for the Vikings, but three of the four have realistic shots of making the play. Now that's that's not fair because I guess there could be there could be miracles. It was it was funny because there was some graphic. I don't know if it was from Fox Sports from their social media team or not, where they're like, Hey, which one of these quarterbacks would you want to lead your your fourth quarter, your two minute drill? And like everybody sort of ignored Kirk Cousins. And I'm like, even as somebody who's a an unabashed Kirk Cousins critic, I'm like, this is a little unfair to Kirk Cousins because last year he was pretty good at that. Now, some of that, I will say, some of it was Justin Jefferson. A lot like of it was that, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> like that's that's one of the things. Like that's always one of the things. Like when we're when we're doing this, it's like because I know that like last year Justin Fields had some opportunities and he didn't get it done. And I think it's very fair to say that. Listen, there's nobody who is more positive about Justin Fields than me. Like there's nobody in the media who is a bigger Justin Fields fan. But even I can admit that last year there were some opportunities where we had a chance at the end of the game, but when and and they were one dimensional, so you weren't going to be able to run as I I still wish that Getsky or Gets Getsky. Wayne Getsky. No, Getsy. <laughs> I really wish that Getsy would have designed a couple of runs, even in the two minute drill. I know that it's going to burn a little bit of clock, but it's like, you know what? Let them run. Cause if the defenses are going back, let them run up, let them run behind him. My thing was, and I understand that like he had opportunities. He didn't convert. Like we, they didn't, they lost all those games. So obviously he wasn't converting. I think a lot of it had to do with who is your wide receiver that you're counting on the most. Like who is going to be the guy who makes a difference for you. When you look at what Justin Jefferson was able to do last season, and I'll go to that Bills game specifically, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson single-handedly won that game for the Minnesota Vikings. That goes down as a Kirk Cousin rallying the team. That was Justin Jefferson rushing the team. The Bears didn't have that. There are so many times that you could look like there's a ball that bounces off the hands of Equinemia St. Brown. Dante Pettis drops the ball. Valus, our guy fumbles or even makes a great play and fumbles. You know, there were, there were mistakes made all over the place that I believe will get erased this year with DJ Moore. And again, as we talk about this and I know we're going over the same points, like that's where DJ Moore is going to make his noise this season. Let's do another question though. And then we'll get Carmen out of here. Um, I'm going to probably go. I got, there's still too much daylight here. I got to go play baseball. I don't have to, I get to go play baseball with my kids and all this stuff Uh, with all the expectations for fields this year. What constitutes a successful season? Good stats, playoffs. Carbon, again, I know that we've talked about this before, but what is what is the biggest key when you're going to be evaluating Justin Fields this year? Success for the Bears doesn't look like wins and losses this year. It looks yeah. like offensive production. And that is evident by the fact that the Bears invested so much in the offense, so much around Fields while also kind of hedging their bets and getting two first round picks for next year in case Fields isn't the guy. This is the make or break year for Justin Fields. This is his chance to prove to the front office that he is the future of this franchise. And they have done everything to give him 
all of the support that he needs. He is out of excuses to not do well because he does have more continuity on the offensive line. He's got a true number one wide receiver to go to on top of options two, three, four, and then even five, six, if you include the tight ends. You've got a really promising and I think very versatile running game that you're going to be able to lean on too. So it looks like a balanced stat line for Justin Fields. If he can get... 3,000 to 3,500 yards, maybe 25 to 35 touchdowns. That's what you're looking for out of him. And then obviously you want to still see him do some things with his legs, but you don't want him to have to rely on that. You don't want him to bail after his first read, his second read, whatever. You want to see him make those timing throws, make those anticipation throws, trust his receivers to be in the spots that they're supposed to be in. And command the offense and that's something actually that Tevin Jenkins told me today was how much more commanding and more authoritative Justin Fields seems this offseason now that he's finally going into the second season of the same system this is the first time he's going to have the benefit of that and he does seem a lot more confident in the plays that he's calling in the way that he commands the huddle and the players have taken notice of that so That is success for fields. That success for the bears is a really good stat line. I'm not so concerned with wins and losses this year, because I don't think that the defense is going to be able to match the offense this year. There's too many holes still left to fill, but if you can score points, if we can see a balanced attack out of Justin Fields and this offense in general, then you're going to be really encouraged going forward. I will agree with with everything that you just said right there. But at the same time, one of the things that I would point out is that there were times last year, even though the defense was bad, where they gave Justin Fields the football with an opportunity to go down and get a tying score or a winning score or something like that. If he doesn't start converting on those, and especially now as long as outside of DJ Moore missing the season or something like that, if he doesn't convert some of those chances, I think that there's going to be fair questions uh, of whether it is. But I think with a lot of these quarterbacks, when you know, you know, and it will translate into wins. It might not translate into 11. They might not be the NFC champions like Jalen Hurts was able to do this year, but it'll be a significant difference that you will be, it'll be tangible. You'll be able to recognize it. You'll be able to see it. I know that Dave Kluge was on here a couple of weeks ago talking about like, we're trying not to put it on yards. Like don't, don't get caught up in like, he needs to throw 4,000 yards or he needs to do this. It's like, if, if the offense is scoring points, and he is the reason why. Then I think yeah. that is going to be that is going to be beneficial. And then you'll you'll know. And then otherwise, and then you can take those picks uh, and and draft some other help because this team is still building for the it's future. It's not the Philadelphia Eagles last year. That's no, I think that's no. the important distinction. Everyone wants to jump like Jalen Hurts. The guys, the team surrounding Justin Fields is not the team that was surrounding Jalen Hurts. What about year. what about like the remember last year too? The Lions started off like what two and six. And yeah. then ended up nine and one. If I close enough, not, yeah, nine, nine and eight. Nine yeah, they, yeah. I think the Lions. Like, don't think of the Eagles. Think of the Lions. The Lions. If, they have a, if they have a season like the Lions, oh, get out! I'm be scared. Kind of I'm, yeah, I, that's what I. I so we got into this when we did our uh, schedule yeah. prediction show, but I have the Bears finishing. I think on like a four, four game, game win streak. streak. Yeah. Yeah, so I really think that it's going to take a while to put it together, but then you're going to see that you're going to see the progress second half of this coming season, which is why I don't want to get caught up in wins and losses because right. as long as you see them putting it together and you see the offensive production, that's all I want to see. Yeah, 100%, and I think that's a very reasonable goal, and I want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. 
what a great show. I, sometimes when I put these rundowns together and we're doing it, I'm like, okay, like maybe we'll do 30. We'll do 45. Uh, we are able to do an hour. So I appreciate it. And that's because of the fans asking all these great questions. Yep. Uh, we appreciate you being here with us every week, especially after taking last week off at the 4th of July. We're getting closer to the training camp. So Carmen, what do you got coming up for FoxSports.com? Um, I have a couple of features based on being at O-Line Masterminds in Dallas this last weekend. Um, and again, kind of going into the mental side of what Tevin Jenkins has been able to do in switch sides, because I don't think a lot of people appreciate how hard it is. And now I have guys on record talking about how hard it is. Uh, so I want, I kind of bring that to light. So I've got a couple of features coming uh, this week and yeah, well, we'll, you know, training camps are right around the corner. So <laughs> Oh, it's very good. Yeah. So, uh, no, it'll be good stuff. So we'll have that to look forward to. And in the next couple of weeks to look for me to have an announcement about my future, uh, my career, uh, with the NFL network and everything like that. We might have some news about that over the next couple of weeks. So, uh, something to, to keep in mind moving forward. And as a reminder, I will be on the tape never lies network tomorrow night with draft Dr. Phil. So be sure to tune into that nine P it's, it's me with more cursing because if we don't, Sammy's delicate ears, uh, it, it's it's not past his bedtime because he's a night owl, but uh, make sure you watch the Tape Never Lies Network tomorrow night. And uh, that's it for us tonight. Thanks so much to everybody being here. Uh, bear down. And Sammy, why don't you go ahead and play us out? And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.